0: Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello, and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. We have two episodes left on this year's House of Rugby before we take a break over July, and then we'll be back for season three in August. But to tie it up, what has been a really enjoyable season for us, producer Pat has come up with the lovely idea that we're going to turn the spotlight on each other for the next two weeks. So it'll be Trimby interviewing me, next week about my career and all that crack but this week it is me interviewing and putting the spotlight and getting under the lid of Andrew Trimble this week it's all about you it's all about you Trimby it's all about you it's all about
1: you, it's all about you. Beautiful, beautiful start. Barry you've yeah. set the set the
0: bar extremely high. Um, for those for our, for our listeners and viewers, obviously that don't know, you were a massive busted Ormac Fly fan back in the day. Uh, so that's why I chose that song. Um, and it was my first introduction to you. I think we were at Irish Academy and you were like, talk, we were chatting, chatting over lunch. And I, th- I can't remember which one it was. Which one did you use to design your look on? Was it Busted or McFly? <laughs> because you had those like that blonde hair that the guitarist had. And you had those checkered Vans shoes, you know, those slip on Vans shoes. And no, it were slightly later. No, it was a green flash <laughs> I had. Green. Yes. The Dunlop yes. green flash. Yeah. Yes, with the choker chain and uh, your and a chain and a chain,
1: and a chain um, <laughs> that went from my my belt to my wallet in my back my back pocket.
0: <laughs> all your little bracelets and all that crack <laughs> shark tooth uh, necklace. Yes, um, and it was all like, "Hey, my, my my teacher is really sexy. I really fancy my teacher. Something like that, wasn't it?"
1: Yeah, it was. It was. You don't need to differentiate between Boston and McFlag. Didn't they hybrid? Didn't they become
0: McMcBoston? Oh, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. I knew there was something in my head about that. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So, so that was that hard day for you, or was that a good uh, day? That was a good day. That was
1: lovely because it just meant um, you didn't need to didn't need to give it any more thought. There was no more. So confusion. you,
0: yeah, you had been like a very religious man. Was that like the Catholic and? protestant church coming together to make <laughs> one one beautiful religion was it the same thing i
1: suppose i suppose although maybe the brands maybe the uh mcfly and busted brands were, were more aligned than, than the catholic and protestant brands <laughs> you never <laughs> so know
0: it was an easier acquisition maybe they could they could they could lead it like it could be mcfly and busted that could um that could lead the way for the catholic and, and protestant church yeah yeah Just you get some of that
1: Cardinal uh, standing up <laughs> to make a speech, last If McFly and Boss can do it, we can do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the year three thousand and then just change all the lyrics so it fits with like the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church? Those yeah. la, 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 la. I got abused.
1: You're talking about that kind of that that look. Whenever I was a youngster, I got abused. Me and Anna went to a comedy night in New York one time, and this guy spent about five minutes abusing me for looking like a surfer dude in the
0: back. <laughs> it wasn't quite surfer dude it was like street surf it was it was those lads from Boston McFly had never been a surfboard in their lives yeah but there was that influence remember um remember you said about Jack Johnson that
1: really stuck with me Jack Johnson Mm. uh, and everybody then was in board shorts for a while and flip-flops and trying to do that kind of surfy thing remember we went on on tour to South Africa whenever I was in school and all anybody ever did they all just went to the billbong shop in uh in south africa in george or um cape town wherever it was
0: that was the thing like that was the look that was the popular look back then it was you're very right um well okay take me back take me back to that time because pat sent me on an uh, uh an extract from stephen ferris's book uh last night which um he had a little a little part about you and when he first heard your name and the murmurs murmurings of your name when you played for Colray and he was going playing you in a Schools cup match, expecting to be absolutely hosed because Andrew Trimble, this guy that he no one had ever seen, but they just heard of, was playing, and no one had ever. So if 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 you if you went to Korean and you listened in the wind, you could just hear Andrew Trimble. (laughs) You're like the you're like the Loch Ness monster, just this big long arm coming out of the water. Um, he said, "You you, st- you start. They started the game and they went five points up. He stuck in where he scored a, a fifty meter try." Um, I just, read just, Ferris's book and I don't remember this. You don't remember, he, he said you scored four tries and you ran riot. And then he'd also heard that you were a really nice fella. But when you were scoring your fourth try, he was trying to keep stop you from getting under the posts. So he went to kind of block you, and you just slammed the ball down and then busted him with a shoulder put him back in his arse and then look back at him and snarled and ran off. And he was like, Jesus, Andrew Trimble is the real. He also called you the Terminator, which I thought was so fitting because that's kind of what you, you, you played like very straight, um, <laughs> like very, very big and strong and fast, very little emotion on your face, just like, ah. And so was that, was that you in school? There was always that one guy who's coming out of school, schools, rugby, whether it was in every province, I think, had one that was going to be the next big thing. And I think you were that guy in Ulster.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe. In, in Upper Sixth, I um, I took a wee while to mature. It took me until I was maybe kind of uh, lower sixth to kind of kick on and actually so I had always had long arms <laughs> and believe it or not, I've actually grown into those arms. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, haven't, I, haven't. <laughs> no, but Jeez, I can't break. imagine
1: what, what they were like before.
2: <laughs> so, uh,
1: <clears throat> so then by the time I got to upper sixth, I kind of started, yeah, I started doing well. I don't want to give myself too much credit. Like we were playing uh, friends uh, and Friends nowadays are quite good, but friends back then were rubbish. And it was in the subsidiary. Friends is that
0: the name of a school?
1: Yeah, friends, yeah. a school in a school in Lisburn. Uh, So that's where Ferris went. Uh, but he kind of he friends. came through.
0: Friends, friends, <laughs> we're playing friends today It doesn't really strike fear into the heart, does it? Friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that was our initial re- reaction to the the name of the school. Whenever you discover it, but then it becomes very normal, and then you realise actually. Or you kind of forget that's people's uh, initial reaction, but um, okay. he he came through the club scene. The club scene, he played for Port Down, so that kind of shows you where friends were at. They were mm. they were at grammar school, but they weren't um, like they weren't very good. We played them in the subsidiary shield, or like the not you know when he got knocked out in the first round. So they were like, and it was. They'd obviously be beaten the first round. We got beat by Methley, I think it was, and like it was a reasonably co- close game. So we were okay. And We went on to win the subsidiary Shield. So scoring four tries against friends was no big deal at all. They were crap. Okay. Uh, and Ferris, I, I, I don't remember that incident, incident. Uh, but I thought the way Ferris described it to me was that I was trying to get underneath the underneath the posts, and he tried to stop me. And before I put the ball down, I like I fended him before up, you put it down before even i put it better. down that's that's what he described to me again i don't even remember that but um i probably just I- went busted but yeah, <laughs> yeah mcfly you just caught <got> mcfly <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh yeah i, th- yeah, I don't think it would have been it. It, it's not a massive stretch that i, I might have done that because i think i might have maybe tried to show off a little bit it's really maybe i just would just for that
0: year you were you were like so were you um did you physically develop massively in those last two years of school like that made you jump that um yeah level it was all physical like physical different weights
1: yeah just weights and um just did loads of speed session loads of running and um in school uh, with a coach or on your own mostly on my own um Phil Morrow came down and actually did a little bit of work with us he was the academy coach at the time so he would have given us a, a bit of direction and then there was a few of us me and two other guys actually not rugby guys um the whole summer before then we would have been we we all started going to the gym you know and doing all these like circuits together and stuff and then we all bought singlets <laughs> Of course because, he did. We're uh, <laughs> on the bench press machine, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking everybody's looking over, going, "Those guys are all this." Wow, <laughs>
0: yeah. God, I, I hate young flirts like that in the gym. Now I'm like, God, they're still there. Like I'm like, shut yeah. up. So yeah, that was us, na- all with their headphones on, together in the gym, but all wearing headphones. That's bizarre. Not, chatt- not yeah. chatting to each other, just uh, like if I go to the gym, I'm mostly there for the chats. I'm not there to fucking shape, like um yeah i remember because my first memory of you was so that must have been march let's say for schools that june we played uh i was going i was going to the world cup with ireland under 21s and we played an a uh an ulster a team in a warm-up uh do you remember that was was it or something like that Anna i think they um they were opening the new pitch in ennis so this was yeah a big- So we played, Gene. It was our last warm up game. So everyone was going out to to prove uh, that they they were good enough to start. We'd South Africa in the first round the following week. And it was a good side he had out. I think uh, David Humphreys was playing, Johnny Bell might have been playing. Um, But then the chat beforehand was that there was an Andrew Trimble, this guy from school, was playing 13. And he's supposed to be a freak. And I was like, fuck, I'm playing 13. Uh, and I'm not a freak. <laughs> I'm not a freak. So I was thinking, like, if you were, if you were the Terminator, I was more like John Connor from Terminator. I was like quite skinny and feeble, but I was quite snaky in my ways. And I would have like Robin ATMs with a pair of trouser braces or something like that. I was. <laughs> you're like the
1: sh- guy. You're you're the guy in in Terminator Two that is delivering the rose. And, uh, and Schwarzenegger grabs him and uses him as a shield like Nelson <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: you're that guy
0: yeah so but I got the better of you in the open in 20 minutes where I, I, made a, I made a Muppet of you yeah because um, you, were, you, were, you were young and all you wanted to do is just up and in and smash people and I could see that so I remember clearly but like I don't remember in my life meeting for the first time meeting or seeing too many people but I'll never forget that day I met you the first time i didn't even meet you but played against you uh because yeah. you absolutely lamped me with a handoff in the second half and got me back for for me embarrassing you in the first half by by running a, a try in against you and uh yeah i felt wow well, this guy's the real deal and it was the physical you were massive like for a 13 to be that size at that age it was fairly impressive um, uh i <clears throat> Uh
1: I was very nervous. I was so excited. I was playing with David Humphreys and Johnny really? Bell as well. Um, but David Humphreys was my hero growing up and uh and getting the chance to play with him. Uh and then I remember you going past me, you just kind of ghosted past me the first time you got the ball. And um I just remember thinking, I've got a lot to learn. And then uh Johnny Bell, it was handy for him. I would have I would have if I had been a little bit more streetwise, I might have been able to um, kind of put the blame onto him a little bit or maybe not give me enough talk but he was certainly not going to be <laughs> outsmarted by any 18 year old kid um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah I got the blame for that I, I that kind of made me realise I had a lot to learn so I had to kind of go back and um, and look at a lot of stuff but
0: yeah that's funny isn't it us uh, coming across each other the first time um, yeah it was it was weird and I, and I do yeah like I said I remember it very you know very vividly um, so you left a mark, um, and you were very serious. I remember that. And you, you kind of looked quite serious and focused for a lot of your career. And having gotten to know you throughout your career, I knew you weren't, uh, a serious that serious a person, quite the opposite off the pitch. Um, so when you look back as a kid, like what were you like as a kid? Were you, were you, were you quite a serious young flayer? Were you? You know, how did your parents drive the focus side, the sports side, or what was it like for you growing up? I don't think I
1: was that. Um, people, I, I know that I, I, well, even watching back, <clears throat> watching back footage, I do think I look, um, like quite focused, but I think at the
0: time it was just nervousness. I was very <laughs> sorry, I, yeah. just, I thought I was, that as well this morning. I was looking at your, your try, your try highlights and I was like, look, he doesn't smile. Look yeah. how serious he is. And then I was like, do you know what? I think he's just like, <gasps> Kind of like uh, yeah. nervous and just yeah. don't know what to do. I didn't know what I didn't know what to. And
1: we spoke about this before. I look back and regret that I didn't kind of relax more, enjoy it more, enjoy the occasion more. And I was enjoying it just in my own way, but I was always very self conscious and uh, kind of um, just wanted to kind of wanted to fit, wanted to fit in. Wanted to, um, I don't know, just not look odd or something. Then you're always mm, kind of seen um, to do the
0: right thing. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. you score a try, it's like do the hand clap and then back to the halfway line as quickly as possible. Yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's no bit of a laugh, or I was the exact same. And I think it was very much that era. It was, it was, uh, you'd wear it like a badge of honor, right? Yeah. That, that, yeah.
1: I remember you after the try against Seal, um, you just can straight back. You were poker face as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and I remember um, James Topping said to me one time, geez, you're like um, Tyrone, Tyrone High used to score a try and sp- like he'd be sprinting back into his own <laughs> half to receive the kickoff faster than he was sprinting to score the try. <laughs> he, was, he was always the first guy back over his line. And Topping said to me, you're, you're a bit like that. But it's just, I don't know, you just feel like, oh, how
0: do I, how do I behave here? you would seen someone else do it and and like yeah. cuz i remember Fed- federico P- putarello probably scored one try for Munster. and i never i never laughed so much because when he scored it he sprinted back to the halfway line and like yeah. normally he'd be the last fella trips and back over the halfway line for the kickoff like getting as much of a breath as he could so uh i know what you mean but but what so as a kid though what, take me back what was it like for you um growing up were you were your parents driving you towards sport or, or what was it no uh my
1: my dad obviously um you know loved his rugby and he had a rugby background so he kind of made sure that i got a bit of exposure to that and uh and I, I loved it i just loved i loved the rough and tumble um i loved i loved the physical side of it always always did i i saw a picture um my mom keeps um all these kind of Um, photo albums and kind of scrapbooks and there was one of me when I was playing mini rugby and I'm taking the head off some (laughs) fella and highly illegal it's a red card these days I've got this guy like like by the collar just a complete clothesline I was what would I have been like nine ten so (laughs) it was that was just, I just enjoyed kind of the rough and
0: tumble and the, the physical side of it. Would anyone say that's, oh, you're like your dad, the way you do that, or your your mother would be like that, or what, what and, or your sister's My dad, my dad would yeah. have been,
1: I think he would have been um, physical, and then back then, whenever he played, then it would have been, like, I think he would have been known for being a little bit of a dirty player. I, I, I wouldn't have been a dirty player, but i have been pretty physical. And there would be the amount of people that would say, this exact line, people would say, um, I played against your dad, and they would go, And I've got the scars to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Wow. Um, What uh, position was he? All over the pack. I think he played mostly second row and back row. Wow. Um, Back then, like second row, he was playing the second row and he's only six foot. But back then that was big. Um, uh, But yeah, he would have been, I think he would have been reasonably physical. Him and his brother, the two of them. uh, Okay. Haven't heard from uh, Uncle Philip now so much since he retired. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: a huge yeah. disappointment to him now.
1: Yeah, exactly. What yeah. you're doing some <laughs> podcast with Barry? <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I always I loved like my 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 mom um, loved tennis, so I played a bit of tennis. That was her influence, and played a bit of rugby, and then uh, and then rugby kind of one out and uh i yeah I, I just i just loved it i love the i love the crack i love the boys i loved them um, the i love the physical side of it and then whenever i started getting like a bit better whenever i was kind of lower sick, upper sixth whenever i grew, whenever i kind of filled filled my frame a little bit then i was like this is it's just so much fun to be good at this mm.
0: <laughs> you know yeah uh, i know what you mean yeah and uh, but, but what about like school throughout school was there any <laughs> other ambitions you'd have had um or was it always did you kind of think professional sport was was something you'd always get into or what, what else had you in mind I, I didn't know how I didn't know how accessible I didn't know how realistic um
1: uh, playing rugby professionally would have been because it, it's a bubble you know you grow up in your in your home kind of school and you never really think of, of anything kind of outside that and I never really knew how not 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 how easy, but how accessible it would be, how realistic it would be to become a professional and to kick on to play for Ulster and play for Ireland. Uh, I I always wanted to, always wanted to play for Ulster and play for Ireland. <clears throat> um, uh, and then that all the way through, even whenever I was at uni, uh, and I had a bit of a lull after. Um, so remember the, what you described there, that kind of me getting rounded by you <laughs> and um, playing that first game. And then I realized, right, I've, I've got a lot to learn here. That following year, then I did learn a lot. I didn't get involved with under 21s. Uh, Mark McCall was coaching at the time and defensively, I got caught out a little bit. So physically I was I was going well, but I had loads to learn. Skills were poor, defensive reading, reading of the game was poor. So I had a lot to learn. And that we lull, it was a real downer for me because I was thinking all I wanted was to, all I wanted to do was be a professional rugby player at that stage. Mm. Um, and I was studying, you know, at Queens or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see myself do anything else apart from um, uh, becoming professional doing rugby full time. Mm. Uh, and because I had that lull, then it looked a little bit less likely that I might be able to do that. Um, so I find that kind of wee stage a bit tricky uh, and then kind of caught up a little bit and started um, doing well again.
0: Okay, and what were you studying? <clears throat> physics. Physics. I studied physics. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I, didn't th- I didn't even think you could do sums, <clears throat> man. <laughs> uh, I, you um, hide it well, don't you? Yeah
1: I, <laughs> yeah. I um. I was. I was. I was good at maths and sciences in school, and then I just didn't know. I didn't. I didn't care. I didn't care what I did. I just wanted yeah. to play rugby. So, um. Then my mom and dad suggested. You don't, you're you're okay at physics, so why don't you just do physics? And then it keeps things open ended. And then, so I did physics for for a year, and there was a few maths modules and stuff as well. And it was miserable. I just could not be bothered. I was having a crack at, at uni with the boys I lived with, having the time of my life. Where it was brilliant. I was loving it, and I just hardly ever went to class. And then eventually, just <clears throat> changed. Well, I say, I say changed. I dropped out, <laughs> and then um, did uh, theology instead. And, uh, and I just did that part time for like seven years. I think I got the record at Queen's for like the longest undergrad anyone's ever done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Van Wilder. Mm. Um, so, was that when you first got into faith and spirituality? Or was that something like when you went to college? Or was that something you'd had when you were younger? No, that was something I had when I was I was younger. Um, um, always like kind of grew up going to church.
1: And then um, when I was kind of 15, 16, in right there, I started. Um, taking that a little bit more seriously, and then kind of brought that with me to to uni. <clears throat> what was um, the what church
0: is it? I never asked you that actually.
1: Uh, a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, like I grew up in a Church of Ireland, and then I went to Presbyterian Church whenever I was um, a teenager, and then we got married out of a Baptist church. Um, the church we were going to right. up here was is actually non-denominational, so it's right. anyway
0: it doesn't really so Um, so was that your drive you driving that like changing changing what church you went to or your parents or what no 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 I I didn't it wasn't that we were
1: unhappy with one we moved to another it was just it didn't it didn't really make it didn't really matter to me the 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 differences between those churches were were so small that I didn't really care
0: Hmm. and Uh, um how has that changed I suppose from from when you're a kid to to throughout your your teenage years to playing years and now as you as you retired and with kids yourself
1: yeah i suppose whenever you're whenever you're uh, 19 and you go to university and you, you've got all these like strong opinions and everything's very black and white and you can tidy everything away into little boxes mm-hmm. um uh you know you know like, to, like university kind of like um people kind of rediscover themselves and think right mm-hmm. i'm gonna stand for this i'm gonna stand for that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'm not saying that was me but there was an element of of, of that you know I, I was probably a bit of a smart arse i think and I thought I had a hotbed
0: yeah. for extremism, really. University, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. like you get all these people channeled <laughs> who are breaking free from being in a structured school environment and family environment. And then it's like, you'd be free, but at the same time, you're like freedom, but you just want to go, wanna go oh, I just want to be a part of something. You want an identity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not making that sound uh, trivial. Like it was, it was, it was a sincere, it was a sincere faith, but mm. how how that then manifested itself in kind of relationships and how I communicated that faith was, was pretty, was pretty black and white. And I believe this and I believe that, and I believe this is the consequence of that. And you know, this is, this is what's important to believe, you know, and I think as then you grow up a little bit and then you kind of just have more life experience. Um, then you start to realize not everything's black and white. There's a lot of gray areas um, Mm. in there. And as you say, you get married, you have kids, um, then you kind of finish off one career, and you spend a lot of time, you know, traveling, um, uh, touring, spending time with people from different environments, different backgrounds, and then you kind of realize um, this is a lot more complicated than the kind of black and white um, university nineteen-year-old myself. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's that's just it's just maturing and um, and kind of growing up a little
0: bit and appreciating a, a, a wider worldview, maybe. Okay, so did you like because there was an element of like. He's he's a bit strange that he's carrying around a Bible and uh man with the
1: long arms is a bit strange, isn't he?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's all weirdo. though. <laughs> um, but there was an element of like lads, you know, it's it's at that age as well, you're getting everyone's <clears throat> like you're going into these academies and it's a hotbed of people like panicking and trying to and there's a bit of bullying going on and there's a bit of bravado and um uh yeah, I would have always heard lads saying he's a fucking weirdo. He's carrying around a Bible and he's reading it in the in the dress room and stuff. Um, whereas clearly you weren't like you were an unbelievable laugh as far as I can remember. So it wasn't, um, you know, but so I thought that was very strange. But how did that feel for you? Kind of you must have been aware of that to some degree.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was it was important to me to kind of maintain that you know what what i was what i was presenting um so it didn't bother me either i i i um i just assumed everybody gets slagged for something so it may as well be that if it's not that they'll find something else Uh, that's kind of that's (laughs) that's the beauty of that kind of rugby team environment everybody gets abused every single person Uh, in every team gets a hard time
0: Uh, so you just you just you probably picked up, you said, I'm going to go extra hard with religion now, just so they focus on that. And don't, uh... <laughs> please don't
1: <laughs> <alarms>, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> carry around the Bible upside down, <laughs> like Trump reading the upside down
1: Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, something, it's something, it, 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 it's important, you know, uh, uh, my kind of faith, you know, growing up was, was very important. Um, uh, but I suppose in in hindsight, I wish I'd maybe just allowed myself to be allowed. I wasn't quite myself. I don't think with a lot of people I would have been quite reserved. Would have been quite concerned about maybe putting out something out there that wasn't consistent with what I was saying. So there was a li- like quite a lot of um, there was a lot of that kind of shaped the way I behaved, um, mm. which it's just kind of reasonably normal enough, I suppose, if, if you grew up with um, mm. with um, with that uh, that upbringing, you know. Um, but it's, it, it I think just as, as you get, as you grow up, you have a more life experience and then you start to <clears throat> start to just really genuinely enjoy that environment, feel more comfortable in that environment. I know we talked about having, um, Phil Morrow in, um, on, on the show, but so he was, you know what, that role as an SNC is, is kind of a little bit of a one-on-one role, a bit of a mentoring role. And, uh, he was so, he was so good for me. Um, growing uh, coming into the Ulster or the the Ireland Academy it was back then in Ulster Development, Um <clears throat> he kind of just um, took me under his wing and gave me a nickname and um, brought me in um, uh, with the boys and kind of slagged me and stuff and kind of give you know just that, that mm. was a nice way and I felt more comfortable with him then I came out of my my shell a bit more. But I remember like, you get young guys coming into the the Ulster squad whenever whenever I was a senior senior player there. Young guys would come in. They would straight away like introduce themselves. How's things? How are you getting on? And they're so outgoing, so chatty, and so confident. I just can't. I can't get my head around that. I didn't say a thing to anyone for at least twelve months. Bring Cunningham and Phil Morrow, the two guys I spoke to. David Humphreys a little bit as well, but like that took a lot. <laughs> that, took, that I had to dig deep to get the confidence to speak to Humphrey. Really? Um, yeah. But yeah, like as a young fella coming in, th- these were my heroes, and I um, I was nervous. I was shy. It took me a while to find my feet.
0: Yeah, I think that um, it kind of goes with the territory. I think a lot of the the lads would have, like Anthony Foley, would have almost expected that from the guys that were going to make it. He'd go. He'd. I remember. I remember thinking box smart here to myself, like don't go in there and start talking to these guys. You have to earn it. Um, and remember looking at guys who didn't really do that and, and and who went the opposite way and were loud and, and expressed themselves. And I think it went against them um, at that time, which is, a, it is pretty silly in hindsight um, that that would go against just someone being themselves. And you're yeah. judging them as, as a rugby player with that, but it was definitely uh, something that went on back then. Um, and it and it stopped me from developing, to be honest with you, until, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I regressed a little bit after after um, 21s because I went into that environment, uh, the professional rugby, and I was bottom of the pecking order. I was like, I can't go in and put my stamp on this. Um, and then I was, I think physically I wasn't developed, so it stopped me from making putting a stamp in there. But you, obviously, at 19... Maybe twenty was it when you you might have been a bit shy, but physically you could mix it with all the best in in Ulster and in Irish camp. So you kind of fast tracked through at that time as well. Yeah, yeah, I
1: and any time there was any uh, any contact in sessions uh, for Ulster, it was a good opportunity for me to to shine. Uh, I remember we signed Kevin mags <clears throat> and it was preseason. We were doing preseason in Scotland. Must have been two thousand um, have been two thousand four um any or anyway might have been 2005 hmm. doesn't matter um so we can't, signed kevin max and uh and i went i went off i went after him he like took a ball out the back and i kind of shot to try and make a hit on him and i i just bounced off him he was so i kind of got <laughs> so carried away strong. and yeah i just thought right i can i can kind of physically do do really well here and be pretty confrontational and that was the one time i was like i've i've got a lot to learn <laughs> yeah and i need to like Stop going after massive um, ball carrying twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. um more generally. Yeah, I felt felt pretty good in those um um those kind of sessions. They were a good opportunity for me to to show that I was I was able to mix it a little bit.
0: Yeah, and then what what's your earliest memory of breaking through and getting your first uh your first game for Ulster and how quickly did that turn into your first Irish camp? really quickly so we played
1: um i played in the wing against cardiff um and then uh it ramped up really quickly and then maybe two or two or three um magners league games and then it was into europe and i played i think maybe definitely the first little block of two um Berets away that might have been the first game then it might have been the first game might have been the second game but but i went really well in that game what was the and, back line for the uh, that then Oh, he put me on the spot. Um, it would have been <clears throat> maybe um, Kieran Campbell, um, but uh, Isaac Boss had just signed. I think I think I remember Isaac Boss came to ritz, actually, but he hadn't. He was just to get him into, involved in the team a little bit or in the squad a little bit. Then eventually, as the season went on, Isaac took Kieran's place.
2: <clears throat> uh,
1: David Humphreys, Paul Steinmetz. I was at thirteen. Tommy, I assume, was on the right. Might have been Andrew Maxwell on the left, and then bring Cunningham at fullback. Nice. I think Pat will probably be able to to check (laughs) uh, how accurate that was. But um, we went quite well actually, and I made a couple of carries um, and a few gain lines and a little bit of a boss. I did. I did. I did quite well. Um, And then the the president of Berets after the game, he said, uh, "You like? uh, I don't. It wasn't Serge Betson." Sorry, um, uh, Serge Blanco, oh, it wasn't him, he was the president actually. It was, I don't know who it was, uh, probably some randomer taking the piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy goes, uh, you come to Berets and you play rugby in the sunshine. And I was there, oh, that sounds, that sounds great. Sliding doors, imagine I'd gone to Berets whenever I was uh, 21
0: year old. Wow, you'd yeah. have fitted him well, man, to be fair. The flow, like, especially when you grew that flowing blonde hair um for a short period i could imagine it that
1: was uh that was similar to the driscoll um uh long kind of bleach blonde hair wasn't Mm, it only i didn't have the gloves no gloves uh then after after that um we uh, then it was it was autumn camp and then i managed to get my first game against romania so that was was, your first cap yeah romania Mm -hmm. romania you scored a couple tries Sorry, what am I saying? No, Romania was the second cap. Australia was the first cap. Um, scored oh, a couple tries that. against Romania. Yeah,
0: sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so you started yeah. against Australia? Yes, yeah. Oh, was that when Dricko was injured? Yes, that's right. So you, start, you started 13 with Dars and um, Roger would have been 10 with he? or Humps would have been 10? Roger was 10, Hump came off the bench. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's class, um, man. Like you'd have been watching him since you were 13, yeah. 14. And then at least and then playing with him for Ireland in your first cap.
1: Yeah, um Humph
0: um Humph took me
1: aside. We, um Roger's always slag um Humph me and Tommy because Humph would have took uh, me and Tommy, out, um and his he was driving an M3 at the time and uh he would have been revving up the of the driveway up to um City West Hotel and all. You're kind of showing off, you know, a little bit to the young fellas. <laughs> he took yeah. us under his wing a little bit. And then uh, Raj was like, well, where's daddy and the two kids going today? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so uh, Humph was very good to us, you know, kind of just took us yeah. under his wing, looked after us a bit. And uh remember Humph said just before that first game, he said, just try not to be overawed with the occasion. And just at some stage, just make sure and look around. The old Lansdowne Road, packed to the rafters, just have a look around and just just drink it in and enjoy it and try and be in the moment. And I was like, what a love, what a great piece of advice. And I remember actually what a break and play looking around thinking this is incredible. I was just, wow. yeah. Yeah. Dream come true. It was amazing.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I, I think that's such a good bit of advice, whether it helps you in the game or not uh, who knows, but the fact that you can look back and, and that you actually did that and took it all in, I think is more important than, Whatever moment you would have had in the game if you were laser focused or whatever, but
1: yeah,
0: to be fair, it's about that moment, especially in the old Lansdowne Road because it had so much history there. Um, I think there's a there's a you'd be very lucky to have played in big games for Ireland there. Um, after the game, game.
1: after the game, then um, uh, who came over? So Takiri came over, he was then 13 he came over, here, came over and gave me his jersey and I went to give him my jersey and he said, no, no, first uh, first test, don't, don't worry about it. Um, give me his jersey and then uh, Latham, the fullback, Latham came over and said, oh, first test, congratulations, real friendly, real nice fellas. It was, wow. Yeah, it really added to it. It was, it was a nice
0: touch. That's brilliant. Love the Latham man, he was one of my favourite players. Um, so you're beaten, you're, what was it, 30-14 or something like that I remember looking at last night um, but pretty tight game and then, Romania. The following week, you got a bit more of a foothold. Two tries, um, and I think that was your first. Everyone was like, "Jesus, this guy's guy's impressive." And it was the first for me, bit of a freak in the Irish backline in terms of size and strength. Um, and you felt like you looked like you were at home. Yeah, yeah, felt at home. Uh, felt felt good.
1: Um, although scoring scoring a couple of tries against Romania is like scoring four tries against France. <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah, I picked that up way too much. <laughs> yeah, massively, um, and the- it, it was great. It was we 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 kind of just ran a and it was it was an alright It wasn't a great game as games mm. against Romania are rarely good, but um, I was it was fine. Uh, I remember again, you're talking. We were talking earlier on there about the the self consciousness about you know whenever you feel like everybody's looking at you. After I scored the one try, the only try I can remember scoring in that game. Um, I got up, and you'll never see someone look more, more sheepish. Like my uh, housemates at the time were just like, "Why, why are you acting? Why are you acting so weird?" I just <laughs> got up, and I did like I looked like Father Dougal. <laughs> I just didn't know you,
0: do you, yeah, you do you resemble him a lot, man? To be honest with you, he's always on the tip of my tongue when you're when you do something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the Six Nations that was that followed. Draco was back for that, right? Drico was back, yeah. So
1: then I was on the bench, and uh, I think I was on the bench for the first game, the opening game uh, away to uh, away to France. Uh, Came top, on, scored, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tommy was on the yeah. right, and this is uh, famously whenever Tommy got a zero out of ten from um, <laughs> uh, Neil Francis, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because we were operating uh, a blitz defence, and and it was quite new uh, to the game yeah. then, so. What, Tommy, like Tommy, slipped. Actually, I don't think it was a defensive issue or, or a like a decision making issue. He slipped. <laughs> he slipped zero. That's
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: unfair. Uh, it's so harsh in that. Def- I've watched a few games back over the last few years of my games back in around that. It must have been two thousand six, two thousand seven, and we mm-hmm. started bringing in that that defense as well. And I'm watching it now, going. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And I get away with it the odd time, but it looks insane watching it back. Um, it's mad how rugby goes through those crazy trends. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> uh, but you came on. I remember coming on that French match and you getting a try. And what, what did the rest of the the Six Nations pan out for you that year? What was it like? Uh, I think we won. We won the yeah. We won the Triple Crown that
1: year. That was the year whenever we went to Twickenham and Shaggy got the. Mm. Um, the reach, like that kind of famous try. Uh, Then I think I started against wheels in between those two um, before we ended up in Twickenham. Uh, So I, yeah, so I came off the bench against France. We were getting a Hayden, Haymans, Clerk uh Jogion were running a mock they were incredible that day unbelievably mm-hmm. good and then they just got to 50 minutes and they were like ah c'est, le bleu. Uh, c'est la vie uh, uh <laughs> 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 stuff but we're not that bothered anymore uh yeah yeah and then uh, that kind of gave us an opportunity to get back into it a little bit and we did I came off the bench and scored one well we scored a couple more tries but we were never really catching them uh yes yeah, so then I I think I started the next week. So I was rooming with Tommy and it was a little bit awkward when we got back to the hotel because I was obviously delighted with my contribution. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because I got the last 20 minutes when um yeah, when we were doing well, <clears throat> and then Tommy was hating his life. Um I think that was the time whenever I was in the bench and I came out and sat on the bench. For 20 minutes and then realized i didn't have my jersey on <laughs> and uh like that moment where you forget your boots and i looked at it and i was like oh no if he calls me I, and then so i just like sprinted down the tunnel got my jersey on just came back thinking you're an absolute dope like what oh <laughs> your first six nations God. game and you forgot to put your jersey on
0: <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> soaking it all up soak yeah. it up Andrew uh, don't forget to soak it up and you yeah. walk out with so you, no, t- you were no top about... on
1: <laughs> so you are talking about um, how, how you could potentially interpret the way I behaved as being laser focused I had no yeah. top on <laughs> <laughs> how laser focused is that
0: oh there's nothing worse than those moments man when you're mm-hmm. when you just yeah <clears throat> you forget something like your boots or your gum shield or so obviously i had i had my my like i obviously have my tracksuit top on or my bib on Mm. over or something so it was kind of disguised didn't realize until looked in (laughs) so Uh, stupid and come here what about your relationship with tommy throughout all of that because you were competing for for position for a lot of your your career i suppose um and then you were always good friends, from what I could see. Was that was that ever awkward, or, or how did that pan out? Was it honestly rarely awkward? We fell out a few times on the pitch. Actually, on the pitch,
1: we we didn't really fall out. We, we never really fell out um, like off the pitch, but on the pitch, we had to go with each other a good few times. Actually, there was one time in particular I remember we were playing a home game, a league game um, at, at Ravenhill, and and I was a little bit. It certainly wasn't laser-focused. I was a little bit um, apathetic, kind of just cruised onto the pitch, didn't really think about it too much. And uh, we um, kicked, kicked the ball down the right-hand side and I kind of sauntered after it, not really too switched on or not too intentional. And uh, Tommy spotted this. And Tommy was like, would you get your head out of your arse? <laughs> 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 and then I, I, was, I was kind of flustered. So my reply was, it is out of its <laughs> <laughs> and, uh I was like and then I looked at him <sighs> and we both just laughed and I'm like I'm so sorry that's the stupidest comeback it's you'll stupidest ever comeback. hear in your life oh, okay. um, but, and to be fair Tommy was spot on spot on and I played really I don't remember who we were playing that game but I remember him saying to me afterwards how well did you play after I um, told you to get your head out of ours that's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given anyone on a rugby pitch yeah
0: yeah I remember O'Connell giving me one of them uh, down in Cork similar game like Will you run, Baz? And I never ran so fast in my life (laughs) Um, because, you know, again, I was away with the fairies. We might have been beating the Dragons quite well or something like that, Uh, but it was quite terrifying. Uh, Come here. We've uh, we've gotten yourself up to, I suppose, starting with Ulster, starting with Ireland. And uh, before we go any further, I'd like to get a fellow Ulster and Ireland player who would have I think you're a, a week older than him or vice versa mm. uh, Chris Henry is going to join us on the show now and talk us through his memories of playing with Trimby uh, for Ulster and Ireland
2: Talas makes the tackle Murray there is a space here for Conor Murray and he's he did. Did Trimble is in Ireland's second try two in rapid succession
0: Okay, welcome back to part two of Walking Down Memory Lane with Andrew Trimble. And who better to get on uh, the show to talk us through the, his Ulster and Ireland career than a guy that came up through the Ulster ranks with him, uh, played for Ireland with him, was born three days uh, before him in 1984 in Belfast, Mr. Chris Henry.
2: Hello, How guys. Um, great, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on to your show, Barry. It's great to have. Um... <laughs> no, Andrew thinks it's his show but it's great to be on your show
0: thank you very much Chris, I agree Chris, <laughs> this better yeah. be good
1: we, uh, um, I must say I'm actually quite nervous by what you're going to say but um, we're getting O'Connell on next week to talk about Barry so this needs to be very good <laughs> oh, wow we? uh,
2: well,
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't so, see oh, I
2: think I might have a few different types of stories than what Paul will have about Barry maybe um, but, yeah,
0: he, he won't hold back so don't hold back basically okay,
2: okay try not to Mm.
0: So, Kamir, you were born three days before Andrew Trimble, but when was the first time do you remember ever hearing or playing against him?
2: Um, so, the first time I ever um, remember Andrew was playing at Malone Manice against Colgrian Manise. Um, we would have been about maybe 12 years old, or maybe younger even, Andrew. What do you reckon? 10. And um, he—that's the moment I nearly killed you, or yeah. So, so basically, my rugby career was uh, mostly finished as a child because Andrew Trimble tackled me about um, I don't know, about six seconds late um, at a mini rugby game, and it was the first time we're let seeing have um, fans, like parents, all the kids, big ruckus inside the, the pitch because it was so blatant. Um, he spear tackled me, lifted me up, and dumped me down, and that's where that's where the first time we saw the sort of um, the really nasty, angry side of. We were probably winning because um, we would always win those mini rugby games against him, and yeah, he it was pretty pretty vicious, and uh, luckily I I got up and played on, but pretty filthy
1: yeah it was it was a game of I think it was it was tens you were pretty accustomed to sevens. do you know they used to call Chris uh, Hamburger cerevi? All right, Do you know that <laughs> Andrew, this is
2: about you this is not about me I was, to, I was promised when I came on I said right I'll say no promise but the promise that it only goes to Andrew not coming back at me. So, uh,
0: so I'm, I'm here uh, I'm here for both
1: lads. it, it might have been it might have been the final I think it might have been the final and uh, you were cruising like you to be fair. Chris is incredible at sevens. Give him a bit of space. 10s, so obviously a little bit less space, but he was cruising down the wing, a bit of a two-on-one, and I knew he, they were definitely going to score. So I was like, "I'm taking this fat kid out. I don't care." <laughs> so I just just emptied him, and all hell broke loose. There were parents running on, uh, spectators, refs, everything. Everybody was going bananas. I can't remember if I got. If this was probably in a year in an era before yellow cars or red cards, I don't know, Chad. Oh,
2: yeah, no, 100%. This was, like, we were very, very young. So this, I mean, Andrew started rugby in Coleray and I started Malone. So there was always big rivalry there, but no, there was definitely no yellow cards, um, but we won the game. Um, and funny, Andrew, you mentioned Chad Chad Cerevi, the nicknames, but Andrew's the only person I've ever known who's tried to start his own nickname and it's actually worked. So he, for some reason, he thought that the dragon, you know what the dragon bear? Well, I know. No, never was, he, 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 I mean, obviously he must have had a, quite a lot of um, horrible nicknames growing up through school, but he decided, okay, I'll come into Ulster, new environment, nobody knows me. I'm going to start like telling people my nickname is Dr- Dragon. And that's just, <laughs> the, more, the, 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 the more I say it, the more I, more people jump on it, um, it'll, it'll stick. And that's what he's done. Until this day, a lot of people still know him as the Dragon. And it only oh. happened because he, he forced the issue so much.
1: Yeah, so like- I, touched the, I touched on this a little bit earlier on. So Phil Morrow uh, ha- kind of helped me escalate that nickname <laughs> a little bit. Um, uh, it started off before that, though, in school, in Upper Second School, you know, there was those area trials for Ulster schools before you go on to the kind of the big trial. And in that area one, then it was only me and one other fella, um, D- David Burns. I don't know if you remember him from school, um, Chad. And uh, we were like, we we're just a small country school playing against the bigger schools, we need to kind of make a name for ourselves. So, um, Burnsy just took one of the other guys in my team aside and, and he goes, listen, just give, just give the ball a dragon, would you? Oh my God. <laughs> like, do you know when, um, uh, friends, whenever Joey tries to make up a cool, uh, work <clears throat> nickname and he calls himself the dragon. And, uh, is that where
0: you got it from? You stole it from where, Friends? That,
1: that's where you got it from, yeah. Oh, um, God. I,
0: I thought that couldn't get any lamer, but it just did. <laughs> Friends is a reputable... That's a reputable
2: source. Oh, I um, do. dodgy so episode. What that, that, now, yeah.
0: yeah, so
1: that's where that came from.
2: But no, we've um, gone back a long time, Trimby. Um, and then luckily, we, so we played against each other for a long time through Schoolboy. And then with Ulster schools and Irish schools, um, my... Other uh, favourite story when we're talking about back in those days was that our Irish 21s, um, the whole lead up to the World Cup we played in Argentina with a cracking 21s team. Um, you know, you guys like uh, geez, Kevin McLaughlin, and She's you really really talented uh, group, and it was all about the power of the team, the the, the power of the pack, um, the wolf pack, and all this. And but then literally as soon as we got to over to uh, Argentina, playing those matches um, every night, literally before the game, the team talk was completely changed. It was just literally the team talk was get the ball, the trimble. <laughs> that was us. So it didn't really matter about anything else. It was I think you were playing thirteen at that stage, um, which because they hadn't discovered you couldn't pass yet. So, uh, <laughs> 13, and, and we um, we literally just had to get the ball to, to Trimby, and Trimby would score. And to be fair, we won a lot of games that we shouldn't have by um, letting him crash crash ball and run through. And it, it took a lot of people to stop him in those days. Uh, so no, he that was there. The, always a funny memory about our twenty ones.
0: Ready. So you you did take the pace of twenty ones, Trimby. You were you were that kind of a freak of a player.
1: uh no, not not especially. I was just slightly better than all the other all the other wow. lads. We were
0: we weren't great, to be fair, Chad. We. Well, you were bigger um, and faster. You were bigger. Yeah. And how faster. did you How did you do? How How far did you get in the World um, Cup? I came ninth, oh, I think, wow. wasn't
2: it? It was ninth. We had, uh, had Ruan in the South Africa team and beat mm-hmm. us in the important game, but um, that was tough, tough, tough tournament. But no, I still remember, Andrew, you were bigger and you were faster than everybody.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. But you're yeah. right. I hadn't, I hadn't learned. I had no idea of the subtleties
0: of the game, how to pass, how to defend correctly, how to read the game. None of that. Um, it was, it was, you were really good in the gym. That's what I remember around that time. Was that the same for you, for you, Chris, when he, when it came to Ulster, um, was it just Andrew Trimble can do X amount of chin-ups and that makes him a class player?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I think everyone just saw him in the gym. He wear his tight t-shirts, um, and that would be him. Because we must play this guy. He's got he's in good shape. Um, I used to I used to be so jealous. We used to be up at Jordanstown. Uh, that's where what well, used to be in the academy at the sports institute. So we used to drive up there, you know, really early morning sessions. And I, a lot of us, were really dedicated to that stage, working hard. Uh, Andrew used to just rock in. Clean hundred kgs as a, as a boy, no problems. Uh, yeah, just he had power, power and and that mm. aggression, and um, his career moved off really, really quickly. Um, you know, I think so I, he could do started, he could
0: do twenty chins. That's why I think was it. That's what they. I remember coming into to where was that place in Dublin where he used to train the Institute of Sport. Um, Santry no, was it yeah. Santry? Sa- Santry Santry yeah, yeah, yeah. Going up to Santry with with um, with the Irish Academy and it was a it was a chin up, a uh, flexibility and a bench press test. Basically, that's what we've been tested on. And I remember Trimby rocks up and does like twenty five chin ups, and I and, I went and up Andrew, after
2: and I just hung out of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> <Just like> the, <laughs> but 25, 25 chin ups for us Barry is a lot. But you think of Andrew's at length of Andrew's arms as well. So Andrew has ridiculously long arms. So that's yeah, you know, it's, it's even tougher for him. So yeah, my arms
1: are, my arms are so long. Most people have to bend at the knees; so their their feet don't hit the ground. I have to bend at the hips bring my legs up straight, <laughs> just chin up like that because <laughs> my arms are so long.
0: <laughs> and come here, when then, Chris, do you, do you reckon that people realised he couldn't pass and uh, and that his career kind of maybe slowed down for a while? Can you remember hey, that moment?
2: I think you were chucked out of the wing very quickly. Um, I can't even, do you remember the the, the year, Trumby? Yeah, the, I, I got one year.
1: Or... I got one season, then I was out to the wing. KB arrived then uh, that second season.
2: To be yeah, that, and that was. And, and that was and Andrew didn't mind. Andrew he scored more tries out in the wing, so I don't think he he, he minded. Um, and he was pretty good at making those last uh, raids, last ditch raids at the on the wing, uh, which we all know that Andrew's famous for coming off his wing and absolutely emptying people. So, mm. um, no, it was great. luck like, it was with, with some brilliant times, and I was very lucky that um, one. Obviously, we had the, we were. Obviously, same year group, so we got to know each other a lot. Um, when we travelled and toured together, which I was, uh, you know, we were a lot of times we were t- uh, roommates and tours. And we've had some our best days in green and white together. So you know, it's, it's been a good journey. Yeah,
1: there's been yeah. some good times. Some good times yeah. on the way. Shout. Out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not uh, we. So our 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 careers kind of didn't completely do- or they dovetailed actually quite nicely because you came through and you had a we were just discussing when you came into the squad you came into the squad at the same time as me and you just kind of took <laughs> took a while to get going and then by the time you kicked on it was maybe uh, um started 08 09 season whenever you came into the team was it that yeah, kind of run
2: yeah, absolutely um, yeah, yeah. so I uh because my first Irish cup then was only 2010 so there wasn't that much of a gap for me I was um playing a lot at number eight but you know, I was too small for number eight. It was Brian McLaughlin that told me to get the finger out and lose about six or seven kgs and, and become a seven. Uh mm. taught me how to um, get over the ball and, and ruck, which was uh, my specialty. Um, keep the ball away from me and just let me hit rucks and tackle things. Um, and it worked out well. And yeah, once that, once that changed me, at, I guess, the open side, um, I was able to hold my place because there was quite a lot of the competition in the back row at that stage. Like when I first came in, there was... Um, you know, Roger Wilson Neil Mcmillan Neil best um, you're pretty uh, quality operators so for me it was I was playing for Balmain at the time and uh, just every week there would have been an injury and I would have thought I would might have, might have gotten a chance in the next minute you'd hear in the papers that um, that flew, flew over someone else from New Zealand or flew over someone else from <laughs> Australia so it was frustrating times and you, and you see you know um, trimby and Tommy and KV and Marshy you know getting there getting a lot of games and, and at that time very frustrating for for me but uh, the patience was worth it and uh, once I got my run, I, I, I was lucky I didn't look back.
0: Yeah, it was that kind of 2012 year when you really kicked on as a squad, wasn't it? When you, did you get to the Heineken Cup final that year?
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, that was, I mean, that pack, that we were bringing a team all together, but I think that 2012 Ulster pack was pretty formidable. You know, John Afoa, Rory Best, Tom Court, Dan Tui, Johan Muller, um, you know and then Stevie was still playing too Big fair. so you, know, you think of that as your core of your pack um, you're going to take any team on in Europe and I think um, probably the group I forget who was in our group of that year but I know that's the year where we beat Munster in 2012 which mm. most of the other players of our sort of um, age group all say that anyone involved in that day was, was very special for us because obviously to win the Dortmund is is not easy um, and we weren't expected to that day so was so what, do you, was,
0: what do you reckon? Did you have a good balance of age that year, experience and youth? And, um, you know, what was the, what was your style of play like? Do you think uh, it was Well, certainly or? we had,
2: we had an unbelievable kick chase. It was kind of, um, Ruan Pinar kicking the ball, and Andrew chasing it. We also had a far better winger on the other side called Craig Gilroy, who started it coming on far faster than Andrew, um, who scored a brilliant try that game. But no, we just, it was the first time where I think, as a pack, we were, Ulster, I guess, over the last few years, um, we haven't been able to give the backs that unbelievable backline. We haven't been able to maybe put a platform that they deserve. But in that year, we certainly did have a pack that were able to bully teams, and then we had a yeah, Ruan Pinar who could you know kick goals from anywhere and a bit of magic. So it was uh, a year that we certainly didn't. I mean, we got the final and we were outclassed, without doubt. Um You know, to that day. I don't think any team, any teams would have beaten them that day. But for us to get there and experience that, even though we lost. It was still a fantastic achievement for for uh, for myself. Anyway, I still look back with positive memories on it.
0: Mm. Would you have ever holidayed together at the end of season or anything like that, the two? e
2: well, we, we ended up in Portugal by accident didn't we uh, yeah you were on a golf trip with all your friends and yeah. I was with my, my uh, I went out with my family to, to do a bit of, yeah uh, just by chance we, were, we uh, bumped into each other but I don't think you stayed on for any after any tours Trimby you didn't I was always keen to stay on you know in America you go to Vegas or you know you fly home from New Zealand via Thailand I think Andrew you weren't really
1: I was always homesick
2: yeah yeah straight home <laughs> Straight on
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the time in Portugal uh, was I, I think we we talked about it before, but we were going out there for a bit of um, kind of chill out time. You were there with your mom, and we went into because it was getting close to the start of preseason at that stage. We went down. We were going to do a bit of a gym session. I came down there with my mates one day, and you were down. you were, um Doing, uh you had your mom in a plank position. You were doing a four. <laughs> you were doing some. You, you
2: were taking her through a circuit.
1: Uh, you were like, "Mom, you've got to keep your hips up. You have to keep your hips up, Mom. You're never going to get ripped unless you keep your
2: hips up." Uh, oh, no, I'm not sure that's hundred percent true, but uh, I, Yeah, I'll
0: take
2: it, take Chris, it, Chris. <laughs> we we actually went on
0: holidays after uh after an Irish tour. Went to, did we go? To, we definitely went to San Diego. We might have gone to Vegas. And uh, yeah. we got, all, we almost got arrested, if you remember correctly. It was a Monday night in San Diego. We we're drinking in this bar, Trimby. and uh,
1: Just be careful, I, enough, because Chad's got a normal job. <laughs> <laughs> Not I have a real, real
2: job, up,
0: yeah. <laughs> I often forget that. But I remember going, it was Monday night, and it was uh, free, or cheap drinks or something like that. So I ordered a vodka Red Bull, and uh, I saw Ian Dowling across the bar I picked out some of the ice And I threw a lump of ice And it cracked him in the head And the barman was like What are you doing? You can't do that And he was like He's a friend of mine And he was like Nope That's it Get out Get out and I was like Oh no And I was like Trying to drink as many of them As I could <laughs> While he's he dragging me out So when I got outside Chris was I think you'd already been thrown out So you were outside Chatting to this young fella Who had this brand new Hummer uh, That's right Yeah Car And I was like Jesus We went straight over And this 17 year old was like Yeah my homer and all this kind of crack and we were like can we go for a spin and he was like, yeah okay so jump in so like six of us piled into the back of this Hummer, sitting on top of each other's laps and he starts flaking down the road like 150 miles an hour and sure enough sirens go and this cop car it's like a high-speed car chase it starts chasing us and your man's panicking that it's not his car it's actually his cousin's car his brother car. yeah his brother was in the pub. He's like an NFL player or something, and he was in the pub that we were in. And your man was outside watching his car. That's basically what his job is: to just stand there and watch it. So the cops pulled us in and got us out onto this, and we were sitting on the sidewalk at this. I remember, is like a dirty little uh, housing estate because we tried to dodge him, and uh, he—they were going mental with us. Well, so, no, well, so
2: so we were—we all had our passports because obviously you need your passports to to buy any drinks. So we all, we give her passports. They also he saw they were all Irish. So he kind of, they, all, they were kind of great because okay, they're Irish, uh, expected. And then, um, but the one person I remember, it was, it was Stringer was there if I remember rightly.
0: Mm, he was. And he,
2: he was the only one who obviously Stringer wouldn't touch any alcohol. So the rest of us were all, I'm you know, still thinking this is funny laughing but he was just the fear in Stringer's face going what is going on here but no we all ended up It's a good story luckily no one arrested uh,
0: I think we were actually singing Toto by Africa every time the cop would go down to <laughs> back to his car we'd all just be like do do do
2: do 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 and then the flashlight would come back and he'd be like shut up over there and String- Stringer was freaking out but we you know, know the, the one of the big positives of of, uh, of what's going on with this pandemic is that uh, there our few Twitter account keeps putting back like on this day, 10 years ago on this day, six years ago and that, that I'm pretty sure that was after the Churchill stag in Denver, Colorado. Is that right? It it, wasn't. wasn't. It It
0: was actually after the Irish tour of, uh, of American Canada. no no
2: yeah so we we played that tour and then we went to San Diego and then we went back you you were too big time in that stage you didn't have to play with the Churchill Stags <laughs> oh, but I then right. went I went from San Diego yeah. to Denver and played in that and we won that so it was okay. oh magical yeah, yeah. And Andrew you obviously were far too big you are probably <laughs> off for of the Lions or something or no it definitely wasn't with the Lions <laughs> I think I <it> was injured <laughs> <laughs> but all no, good times We've taken over
0: your life story, uh, Trimby. This has been the best part of the story of your life, actually. The story here
2: of <laughs> San <I'm> Diego. <laughs> no, I wasn't there.
0: You we weren't even there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, you mean like I'm like trying to get involved. Oh, I know that song, That's my favorite song.
0: <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I suppose fast forward to the 2014 Six Nations, which you won, and the two of you were a key part to that. What uh, What are your memories of that?
2: Well, my memories was just, uh, it was probably the the most enjoyable um, couple of months of my life uh, in a rugby context because it was the first time where I felt that I was actually playing well enough to to hold on to a green jersey. Um, Irish back row, a lot of times I played was always because Sean Brown was injured um, and Sean was injured at that stage, but for me, I guess... Yeah, I was just I knew I, I was very honest to mine. I knew when I was playing well, I knew when I was playing poorly. At that stage, I knew that I was, you know, doing a job for the team. Um, I think Andrew, you you were out of the scene the year before, wasn't that right? And you'd won Joe back over. So you were long gone. Yeah. You were like oh, I was dead, you were, you were dead. Yeah. yeah, you were gone, yeah. buried. Um, and I was sort of just winning Joe over still. Um and yeah, look, it was it was brilliant. It was um we'd have, Unbelievable team, you know at that stage, um, that that game in Paris to win at the end of the the tournament. Um, mm. you know, to yeah, what up. are your
0: memories of that that day? Like that was, I remember watching that, and uh, it, it was one of my yeah one of my favorite Irish games. Thinking back, yeah, the day um, you got the tattoo, Barry. That's the day I got the tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what? That's how much I enjoyed it.
2: What, what tattoos you get?
0: I've a massive red thirteen on the back of my on my back. <laughs> brilliant! Because I I bet my mate that O'Driscoll would would get man of the match or win, or Ireland would win or something. It was his last game, so I was like, yeah. and I was uh I was in Vancouver and it was like ten o'clock in the morning and yeah. Yeah. ah look brilliant. It's not about me again.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, but no, that they they the team as I said going and look when you've got someone like Brad Driscoll On your team, you always you get a chance. Paris, um, you know it was all. The, it's always tough, but to finish it like that—they give the the big second row, give the wide pass, uh, and it was deemed Dean be forward came back. Mm. So you got that ridiculously low moment, uh, high moment, and they won the ball. They I think they got a turnover scrum right at the end. We yeah. managed to hold them up. There was about six of us in a, in a choke tackle that held them up, and that was the win. And I remember just falling them knees and just thinking, "How am I? How have I been here? How, how am I part of this?" Because um, yeah, I think a lot of players. You kind of. Well, my motivation was always. Am I going to get called out? Do I, do I actually, am I actually good enough to be here? Um, you know, And that was the first run of games where I'd gone, no, actually, you know what, I, I feel like I'm capable of, of, of this um, and being around these players. And then that, that party that night, was, or the party for the next couple of weeks was just unreal and celebrating um cracking night in Paris. Um, I don't know. big night in but, Paris that night? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Jimmy Nesbitt was in, and we just yeah, okay, we had all our family and friends in the hotel. Um, I remember just walking through that hotel in the lobby, and just you know hundreds, and hundreds of fans made their way across and joined us all for the party. And yeah, they didn't uh, didn't finish early.
1: Wow. Uh, do you remember? um uh, Kill Bill 2 do you know the, the scene in Kill Bill 2 whenever Uma Thurman uh, punches her way out of uh, being buried alive and she walks over to get a, 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 a glass of water from the cafe and she's kind of like just walking like really straight and really like disheveled that's the way Chad came in from the night out that night because <laughs> I was down uh, Anna, Anna was getting and was getting an early flight um, back to Belfast in the morning and it was, the flight was like 6 7 o'clock whatever it was and Chad come in, him and Patty, the two of them, just walking in, just like him and Thurman, just like they'd been buried alive half an hour earlier. It <laughs> was a tough shift, yeah. And, uh, I remember, again, so whatever about the game, the game is the incredible. And everything you're saying there, I, I experienced something really similar. I couldn't believe that I was involved in, 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 in something like that, a bit of history. And <clears throat> It was fitting for you, from your perspective, Chad, that it finished with a choke tackle because I've never seen a man who loves a choke tackle as much as you. It's like <laughs> a choke tackle on the final Finish whistle. Him. Finish <laughs> I'll him. take it. I'll take it from here. Uh, but the night out, so yeah. So uh, Jimmy Nesbitt was there. He was in great form. And then I just remember one moment uh, whenever we were starting to starting to ramp up for the night out. Um, Chad made the suggestion that it should be uh, lads only and the, <laughs> the girls
2: should stay at home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. So. And then um, uh, Judy Best <laughs> fell out with him. And I don't know if they've ever made friends. <laughs> oh, that's
0: but amazing. we
1: all like as,
2: as soon as we Ooh, um, I said it, I went, <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't have said that, and then there's like 20 eyes just stare, like just evils just look at me. No, no, I wasn't joking. Like, everyone several's coming, like it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as as, he, <laughs> as, as he, he
1: was saying it, as he was saying it, we were all like, That is a solid idea. I, could, yeah, I not, I'd love to see, see all by. of <laughs> your faces.
0: Like yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, as soon as it went, it, it didn't it wasn't well received, then we're all like, Chad, that. Is
0: ridiculous,
1: <laughs> yeah. These are our, our nearest and dearest, our loved ones. Like, yeah. you have to be the
0: girls <laughs> one, 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 one way, yeah. Nuzz- nuzzling into their necks. So, I love you, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: 2014, me respect, and, um, Chad, respect for going. Thanks, in, yeah. man. We were talking the other day, uh, myself, Barry, and Anna actually, um, uh, we were talking the other day about how, um, you know, you used to do that, <clears throat> you used to do that wellness collection, um, piece, um, in, in Carton House, you used to have to get up in the morning and say what your um, sleep score was what your stress score was what your mood score was and me and hendy had this conversation one time about how my mood score never goes beyond it's four five or six out of ten it's never higher never lower and uh, anna always slags me because she says i'm mono like i'm just so boring i'm never down i'm never high like i'm just always four (laughs) five or six and it was the perfect illustration i'd say that day um anna goes to me right well when's the happiest you've ever been and honestly the maybe not the happiest but the most content, the most satisfied I've ever felt is being a part of that, coming home and then having the team get together at the Four Seasons in Dublin. And just, we, I walked into the room and uh, all this stuff, like the Four Seasons put on a wee spread and all to kind of commemorate. Congratulations, Andrew and all. I just sat down and I was like, that is so, so satisfying because as you say... Both of us were were crap for a couple of years before that. <laughs> and then just finally we got, we got, and we were involved. And so everything you're saying there, totally identify with. There, there, so there's, there's another
2: reason why, though, you'd have loved that night, because there was another theme of your career where literally after it, you know, so anytime you win a big tournament or you've had, you have know, a celebration of some sort, there's always a live band. So live band, as soon as yes. there's a live band, I'm the goes, live band, I can play the drums. I can play the drums and then he goes no, don't tell anyone but I can play the drums don't tell anyone and then them, and Andrew Trimble can we get you up for a song and then Timmy would boom straight up drums I mean he, I mean, obviously you know, very talented um, if you look at the drummer bass for Hermitage you know, he's, he's on, up there. He, um, he, he has cameoed already before right, of course he has of course he has um, so no that was yeah every like could be any bar he would find the like band and t- straight over and get up there would
0: you would you get up? We are like pull out your own drumsticks and everything. Oh, yeah. I'm so oh unprepared the that I have, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I did
1: that in um 2011 in Queenstown before the World Cup. Uh and then yeah, that night, and I've done a couple other nights as well. Uh yeah, I know it's pretty lame. But good um, party
0: trick to be fair. Yeah. No, okay, I mean that. Yeah. That's cool. Um and so off the field then, Chris, like in the gym around the the you know, Ulster training sessions or just uh, general hanging around going to coffee shops and and everything like that what was Trimby like for, for you as a squad
2: um, fantastic I mean like he um, I think everyone who's touched Andrew knows that it has been, been touched with Andrew you you'd go down to Irish camp and didn't matter what age you were didn't matter who you were Andrew was just such a personal guy able to have a conversation with him um, for me, he's been a great support. You know, any of your bad days, your good days, um, he's always been there. Um, we celebrated our uh, we had a 30th birthday dinner together. Try and remember that yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, no, I think like he's always going to have uh, his, his ability to connect with uh, with everyone. I think in the team, like you go to a rugby club, and there's so many different types of personalities. There's very few people that Andrew doesn't get on well with, um, yeah. and that's important. You if you're st- if you're spending a lot of time together, you want to taking the pitch with someone you want to trust. Um, you need to know that. You know, he's got your back, you've got his back. And, and that's Andrew. He's loyal, particularly uh, honest. Um, and yeah, just a great person that, as you said, to be able to go down and have a coffee with. I um, feel very lucky to have Trimby as, you know, one of my good friends and, and, and rugby teammates. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything else nice I can say about the Trimby. I, I actually I phoned um, another one of Trimby's really good friends, uh, Ian Henderson. Right, So I speak to him quite a bit still. I was like trim or handy. I've got him going on Baz's, but Baz's show. Um, <laughs> you know, have you got any? I'm going to do. you have to think of these stories, and he goes, "Oh, the obvious one." I went, mean, "What?" He goes, "Oh, the David Humphreys parody Twitter account." I went, "Yeah." So no matter what Andrew's going to be known for, for us who's known him well, the best thing that Andrew ever contributed, to Ulster Rugby was a David Humphreys parody Twitter account. So this was like a secret that went on for months and months and months, and it added uh, so much value and and uh, you know, fun to the team. So you know at that stage Ulster weren't doing great, and this every day, or every once every week, or, every, or twice a week, there was just parody Twitter kind of came out, and it was David Humphreys, and some of the tweets that he came out with was just golden. So nobody knew massive secret. I was like, who isn't who is it? So, are going? No, is, it, is it Chris? No, I can't be Chris. He's too stupid. Is it Rory? No way. He's too serious. There's no way. Is it Trimble? And they're like, no way, Trimble. There's no I was there. I was giving I guess. Like, there's <laughs> no way. There's no way that Trimble's funny enough to pull this off or brave enough. V Sir David. Uh, brave enough. Brave so, enough. I would say. So, so the. I mean, there was loads. I'm sure Andrew can go into it, but the one that um, I remember the best was. Um, to Tom Court at the time played a play match and you know Tom had come the game I'm sure he won't mind me bringing this up, struggle in the game scrummaging and he just he just uh, got his contract extended by Dave, Dave Humphreys. so the tweet, the tweet came out and goes oh shit gonna have to rethink Tom Court's contract extension after scrummaging performance at the weekend and, I mean like the place was just like hilarious like so it was ball ballsy of him and then eventually I think I don't know if David Humphreys high find out it was you eventually Trimby, but did he? I mean, he was. It was a. You were either suspended, fired, or you Ugh. had to pay pay a fee or something. Or what yeah, I got you know- fined.
1: I got fined um, two weeks' wages. Right That's amazing yeah. So he was really Pissed off about it Was he He said he wasn't He but he said because He was involved Then he couldn't be Part of the disciplinary process But there was this whole Formal process oh. With Ulster With Ulster Rugby And um, <clears throat> How did they How did they find out Did you have to, to They found out Towards the forward. end the, Towards the end There was an end of season review An email sent out By David Humphreys uh, and, and then uh, It was like Fill out this Or click the link And fill out this form uh, and then he wrote, "P.S. At the end, he was like, I'll see you all next season.'" He said, "P.S. We are very close to finding out who at David Humphreys MBE is. Doctor Humphreys MBE was. Uh, so I had, I had, I, hit, MBA- <laughs> I hit, uh, reply all, and I said, um, "Or no, sorry, reply all." I'm about. I went on on Twitter, and then I tweeted, and I said, "Let's get one thing straight." you'll know when I want you to know, right? So (laughs) then at that stage, he he knows it was one of like a group of players that he sent that to. So then I started tweeting. Um, I tweeted, um, so Shane Logan um, was the CEO at the time, but he had a background in the military. So we called him GI Logan, never to his face, obviously. So I said, uh, GI Logan bursts into um, into the office last day of the season. No one goes home until we find out who Dr. Humphrey's MBE is. And then in the in the like in the investigation, the formal process, they said we'd like to invite you to a Twitter investigation. This is the like the formal invite I got. And then um, Shane Logan said, um, "This is actually um, very very amusing. I'm quite surprised." <laughs> so, <laughs> and then um, he said, uh, "So then um, Karen, I can't remember the the right. HR, yeah yeah, the HR girl. I I was like, listen." i'm so sorry i got started getting flustered and i said i'm so sorry this has totally got out of hand this was only a bit of a laugh and then karen goes um well it may well be a laugh but you can't go around saying callum black is cheap as chips (laughs) so So, um yeah they said listen pay
0: um two weeks wages and then we'll leave it at that so that was it over oh uh, that's amazing God, that yeah. is amazing. So, any, yeah. uh, any, just finally, uh, what about the 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 Will Addison loves ducks? Will we out him here? Does anyone know who that is? Is it a player?
2: I oh, I thought it was I thought it was Andrew as well. So <laughs> I, you're asking me. the wrong person. I'm always the last to know anything. Like ah. my whole career, things happened. I was always the last to know anything juicy like that. So, <laughs> I mean, is there still is he still putting post sub? No, too much. So yeah. if he if he starts up again, then we'll know. Yeah, we'll, know we'll know he's a know something. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, that was a lovely mix of laughs and a little bit of love there as well uh, for Trimby. So thanks a million, man. Really appreciate it, Chris. You're a legend.
2: Yeah. No worries guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Look at this searing pace from Trimble.
0: of his career okay welcome back to part three and walking down memory lane with andrew trimble Trimby, the things we haven't talked on so far i'd like to get into a little bit on joe schmidt and how what influence he had on your career then um retirement and then what you've been doing after rugby including baz and andrew's house of rugby but also your own company Keros. so first of all joe schmidt when he came in um what kind of state was your career in at that time, and how did he affect it uh uh
1: so as Chad and I kind of alluded to there a little bit we were well sorry i i don't remember specifically where Chad was I remember I was struggling a little bit um I never really got much joy with uh when kidney was in the job uh and i wasn't really playing that well anyway, so i didn't really have a much uh, much of a case but um Probably didn't have an awful lot of confidence um, at the start. Whenever Joe arrived at the start, um, but whenever I started getting uh, getting him involved in that squad anyway and getting exposure to him and the way he trained guys and the way his sessions went, it was so uncomfortable, so like miserable and massively put me out of my comfort zone. And I kind of realised what the, the way I should have been behaving, the way I should have been preparing for um, to play, and the way I should have been training. And um, I thought Joe hated me absolutely hated me at the start. I remember thinking <clears throat> at one stage that training week before the Six Nations, uh, I remember thinking, that's it. I'm just going to, this isn't going to work out either. I'm just going to, if there's a way I can retire from Ireland and just play for Ulster, then that would be a lot less complicated. That's what I wanted to do. Because like, it was so hard. Because it was so, well, because it was so hard, but also because it Joe was riding me. Joe was giving me such a hard time screaming at me in sessions and um, just... He, in hindsight he was getting the best out of me and it was brilliant for me and i needed mm. that it was uncomfortable at the time uh, but i felt like he he kind of gave me a real hard time in hindsight <clears throat> i think um i think whenever joe sees someone who's maybe not fulfilling their potential or there's a little bit more that he can um release or unlock a little bit more uh, potential in someone i think he maybe saw that in me uh, and he certainly did that he was uh, as uncomfortable he, as that was at the start he was brilliant for me
0: But he would have been hard on everyone, right? It wasn't just you, it would have been across the board.
1: Yeah, it would have been across the board, but maybe because I was new to the... Well, sorry, obviously, um, I was less new. I hadn't been in the autumn camp, to be fair, so I had less exposure to Joe. Um, Hmm. And then the Leinster guys obviously knew him pretty well. So I just think Joe might have wanted to maybe make a point to me, give me a hard time or maybe it wasn't planned, maybe it just so happened that I was doing stupid stuff mm. in sessions and he was torturing me for it. Um, but I came out and I, I was thinking, I was like, I came home and I said to Anna, this guy hates me even more than Kidney. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not looking good. And I remember then uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I got picked for that first game, 2014 against Scotland. Um, could not believe he selected me. And then the, the lows and the highs, I always kind of think, if you play professional rugby for long enough, you'll have injuries, non-selection, bad performances, um, everything. You're kind of confronted with everything when you play rugby full-time professionally, and uh, and that's a perfect example of the lows and the highs. The lows, me thinking this is not an environment where I'm going to get any joy, and the highs, getting back in the mix and playing Six Nations, and then eight weeks later, winning a Six Nations, um, crazy
0: the impact that Joe had on me and uh, my mm. performance levels. And how did that change then over the course of the the next few years? Was did he remain hard on you? Um, or, no, or, or what? No, he, he definitely eased up. He a balance of um, I started
1: training the correct way, or like doing the sort of stuff that he looked for the small details and uh, that they kind of make an impact on the pitch. Um, I started doing that just because I'd been I was being trained, and it was kind of that was the outcome of that. Or maybe In what he way? started. How do, how do you mean? small right stuff way. like just just tagging on a defense um staying upfield and attack whenever you're passing the ball making good decisions looking after the ball whenever you carry the ball into contact really basic stuff um uh and just just like just stuff like that really basic stuff for a winger mm. um and whenever he knew then that he could trust me he maybe kind of took it a little bit easier on me um and then at that stage i started to kind of grow in confidence and I, I just knew what he expected so i was able to d- deliver it a bit better um but yeah he was Brilliant for me, absolutely. Brilliant. Was it that
0: was that year you got Player of the Year, Irish Player of the Year?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a time And, and, and I remember I came back from um, that uh, after that Six Nations. I was back playing for Ulster. I remember one game we played against Cardiff, and Cardiff were no great shakes, but um, and it wasn't it wasn't a great game or nothing. But I just remember feeling incredible after being tra- being coached by Joe Schmidt for eight weeks that eight week block. I just felt head and shoulders a way better player than i was before and it's amazing the impact that that a coach can have in in a short space of time i just went on i just thought i'm almost a little bit like like i would have been in school you know just the confidence just carry hard Mm -hmm. make good decisions um i just felt really i don't know just felt great strange
0: at at that at age you were at so what age were you then you're probably 29 28 29 yeah
1: i would have been yeah yeah yeah, 30 yeah
0: maybe yeah twenty nine thirty. I suppose you've a little bit more um, of confidence or self-belief or you, you know it'd be harder to break here at that point right you don't take it too personally if someone is having to go off here or someone is you kind of you're old enough and experienced enough to know that he's just trying to get the best out of me here um, mm. and to apply yourself to that I suppose. Yeah exactly and I think well, as I
1: started to get to know Joe, I started to realize that he, he he just it's a performance. Whenever you're being coached by him, he's performing and he's trying to get the best out of you. And there's nothing personal about it. He's just trying to to make sure that that he does a really good job as coach and he prepares everyone as well as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, it, was, it worked really well for me.
0: Mm, and then the last couple of years, I suppose uh, in Ulster and and Ireland, how how did you feel uh, your career kind of wound down? uh
1: it it never no one ever really finishes in their terms no one ever really finish and and if you do finish in your terms then you wonder wonder did i have another year in me you know so i don't think anyone will ever finish and be really satisfied with what they've done um having said that i because i'd had that little bit of bit of joy under joe schmidt with, with that 2014 win and then going to south africa 2016 then going to chicago beat the all blacks you know like a few moments that i was really proud to be involved then I had enough joy that I was able to say, right, it didn't go that well. The last year or two didn't go that well, but who cares? Overall, I'm really pleased with what I've achieved. And I threatened to achieve very little until I had that little bit of joy. So I, I kind of thought, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done here. And by that stage, I was 33 and I was keen to to move on and do something different anyway.
0: Mm. Okay, well, with that in mind, we, we've always done our classic movies, classic films. Uh, album classic game, so let's go classic game <clears throat> with with I suppose South Africa and that 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 All Blacks game were the two for me where I would have assumed they would be your two two of your greatest achievements in the Irish jersey anyway, um, and then back to two thousand and fourteen as you talk about earlier. Have you one game in particular that you uh, think is your favourite match that you've ever played in for Ireland or even Ulster? Uh, yeah, not to be too <laughs> too predictable about this, and we've kind of already touched on it.
1: But yeah, that um, France game away in Paris, 2014. Uh, it we had been playing, we'd been blowing teams away really that Six Nations so far, and uh, France hadn't been going that well. Well, we sorry, we lost we lost at Twickenham, but but generally we kind of went to Paris thinking Paris wasn't what it was in the past. It wasn't this really difficult place to go. Um, uh, it wasn't the fortress that it was whenever I was describing um, <laughs> whenever Tommy fell over in 2006 um, yeah. it wasn't that anymore it wasn't Heymans and Clerk running amok so <laughs> we kind of went over there reasonably confident but France turned up that day and they were really good to be fair um, Houget was tearing it up um, uh, Medard uh, uh, Medard's the guy with the sideburns the 15 wasn't it mm-hmm. he was going really well that day Pascal Pape was going great like they were they really performed at home and we still did enough to get over the line. Um, And again, a couple of like uh, um, Joe Schmidt plays that were out of the classic Joe Schmidt um, playbook, you know, that hit the midfield and then um, sweep back and then that short pass off Murray. Um, Just a couple of things that are just classic kind of um, signature Joe Schmidt moves. Um, uh, That was, yeah, that game was pretty, pretty incredible any time you get a win in Paris it's pretty incredible I think we started to take them for granted but um, because they played so well and we had to dig so deep that made that that day pretty special
0: Wow okay so that trumps the All Blacks
1: Uh I think they're they're both up there, all right. The All Blacks. I think I'm I've done nothing but talk about that.
0: Fed up of talking about it more so yeah. than than the French match actually been better.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just by default, it falls down ah, to the French game Own it, own it. Yeah, I've owned it plenty. <laughs> if I'm sick of talking about it, everybody else is sick of hearing about it. Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: all right, so favorite film? Let's get to know the real Andrew Trimble. Oh
1: my goodness! I, Don't I, stay know, I,
0: home alone. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: uh, I'm gonna go for uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh love it. Yeah, is it is it yeah. is it up there with you as well?
0: Um, yeah, nostalgically. I'm not sure it is aged. It's aged kind of like Bravehearts, where it's quite comical. I'd imagine right now if you were to watch it back. Yes, yes, and but... a lot of it laughing. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. The um, like there's Alan so Rickman's many...
0: performance is golden,
1: brilliant, brilliant, isn't yeah. it? Um, there's so many, uh, there's so many one-liners in it that have made their way into my life, <laughs> um, like on a daily, on a daily basis. Uh, if Anna ever asks me where something is and if it's upstairs, I say up the stairs, that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I'm sure is a tiny part of that film. Exactly. That's to remember
1: <laughs> exactly, um, Rory Best. To be fair, like I, he's not he's not a massive movie fan, but Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves is his favorite, um, and uh, we would have spent long periods just quoting that back to each other. Um, I uh, thought for a long time I thought Kevin Costner was uh, Brian Adams.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, I can see why you would just as a as yeah. I suppose, quite young, you'd have yeah, the them together. I hybrided um, the
1: music video and the, yeah. and the movie. Um, oh. And if, uh, um, if if there's if if there's ever a sign for a forest or anybody ever mentions a forest, um, uh, Rory and I would turn to each other and say, uh, "Sherwood Forest haunted, sire." <laughs> and then the other the other person would say, uh,
0: "Either we take our chances with the ghost, or we become ghosts ourselves." <laughs> so. Uh, Serious pussies, could they not have worked out at that point that it was just a load of lads up in the trees throwing stones at them? <laughs> <laughs> right now, yeah, For fuck's sake. yeah, surely one of them would have escaped and be like, No, you ye clowns, <laughs> yeah, Fucking lunatics in the trees, yeah. Um, all right, so which album then, which busted or Mac- MacFly album were you going with?
1: Uh, what album now? Let's see, um, my favorite album of all time, and we've reviewed a lot of albums to be fair last while. My favorite, um, uh, it could be, <laughs> it could be, could be Blur, um, uh, Great Escape, could be Oasis. I'm giving honorable mentions here, and I'm also buying mm. myself time to think about it. <clears throat> um, could be a number of Smashing Pumpkins albums, Rage Against the Machine, um, mm. the first album, uh, could be the one actually. You know, just nice. sitting as a like a. Like a skinny kind of thirteen-year-old in your in your room, thinking you're an absolute madman, listening to Rage Against the
2: Machine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, And your mom comes in, you're like, "Bullet in your head." (laughs) And you were going to church. Oh, sorry, mommy.
2: (laughs) Coming,
1: coming, mommy. Uh, Yeah, for that reason, for that reason, I'll go with um, I'll go with Rage Against the Machine.
0: Okay, your street cred has just gone back up after your McFly busted. Um, Yeah intro to the show so we'll take that um okay so then outside of rugby outside of all that crack and then the kids um obviously it's full time uh being a dad at home with uh with those three so how's that going brilliant the last the last while has
1: been amazing um i'd say certainly the first eight weeks of lockdown was brilliant weather was class and we just um got back to just just being us having um no FOMO just this is us and we're hanging out and we're having the crack and we're just enjoying each other's t- our time together and the kids after the first couple of weeks um Jack and Molly especially Katie's starting to get in the mix now and shake things up a little bit Katie's on her feet and she just run around like grabbing Molly by the hair and she just wants a bit of attention <laughs> uh which is nice um because she's been getting bullied for a long time and now she's fighting back getting her um, all back yeah, but uh, after Jack and Molly, after a couple of weeks, those two getting used to each other, and they've been getting on brilliantly as well. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, love and life, and uh, this is a bit of a turning point for us now. Anna's going back to work, uh, next next week. The uh, Katie and Molly are going into a nursery, and I'm looking after Jack a day a week, and um, and uh, so it's all all a bit of a change up now. So I think we're kind of pleased that we've had this time together, and it's been great. And Anna, obviously, I met Anna when 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 I was young and she was even younger, she was sixteen. <laughs> she was sixteen and I was nineteen and we were kind of friends for a long time and then um uh got got married, kids and everybody kind of just um gets on with life and the busyness of life. But um yeah we're we're um really happy. Um hopefully no more kids please <laughs>
0: <laughs> go go no. again
1: for the craig. No, no I
0: can't do I haven't got the heart for it um but yeah great um you're the tightest unit I know man so I'm sure you'll make that decision together uh be <laughs> the right one and she's way funnier than you as well I must say absolutely um, Trimby often I'd ring him up and I, and it'll be the two of them on the phone so I end up having a uh a three-way with Trimby and his missus over uh video call which is very enjoyable so uh, this that, you, that that happens quite a
1: bit. Um, Niall O'Connor, mm-hmm. who I'd be good mates with as well, lives in New York um now. But did the rounds. He was at Ulster a couple of times. Um, uh, he would have been around our house loads, and to the point where I was kind of like, you know, you call at some of the house when you're a kid, and you go, "Oh, can Andrew come out to play?" It was hmm. if that had if I had been in that context, it would have been, "Hey, Andrew, is is, is Anna there?" <laughs> <laughs> So then uh him him and Anna would have been just sitting chatting in the in the kitchen for hours and I'd have been watching TV. <laughs> That's the way it got.
0: Yeah. So I feel like yeah. people are using me to get She's that a element. legend. Yeah. And Camir, uh outside of rugby then, uh well sorry, outside of uh, the house of rugby, we've got Keros, your your own business. So tell us a little bit about that and how's it going?
1: Yeah, so um uh whenever uh, it, it's the my exposure to, to joe schmidt's kind of training environment made me realize the benefit of of being really prepared really organized and um and then i realized one one difficulty in getting organized in a team environment is the team communication because there's there's whatsapps white whiteboards uh, emails pdfs written s and c programs um and it's all it can be a little bit chaotic and i think that hampers players performance and it also makes you know pain the hole for um for other staff members so um we created keros to manage medical appointments initially um as just an app for the players to use to book in Uh, and now we now uh we've extended it to 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 manage like training sessions numbers to sessions requirements session plans um travel schedules all that kind of stuff so um it's been it's been it's been a really amazing experience last couple of years, getting a bit of investment, building a team of developers and learning something that I didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been it's been a great experience. i'm I've, I've partnered with a guy called Gareth Quinn in Belfast who's who's very, very switched on and he keeps me right. Um, uh, and it's been great. Uh, Monster are are starting to use Keros um, this week, Ulster been using it for a while. Uh, Worcester or another, um, are starting to use it in the coming weeks and then we're chatting to a couple of football teams as well so uh, we're starting
0: to get a bit of traction and, uh, and we'll see see where that takes us Brilliant that's great mm-hmm. man so you're not obviously in the IT nerdy side you're uh, your sales pitch and, yeah. and given your side of the story as a former player I wish
1: I had I wish I had whenever I was because I studied loads of did a theology and then I did a, a management post-grad and then I did a finance um, post-grad I wish I'd spent some time learning how to code or design no, or yeah. something. Uh, it, it's only like, and how, how typical is that? Whenever like it's always older people saying to people in the plan, you should, you should be studying. And, and even me mm. and, and fine tuning that I should have studied something more useful maybe. Um, but I wish, I wish I, I was hands on. I wish I could kind of um, be more creative with with tech. Um, but anyway, the guys we have are, are incredible. Um, they're, they're brilliant. Uh, and they're very signed as well, uh, which is unusual for um, uh, design or uh, te- uh, tech engineers. Um, so it's a good team. There's um, uh, uh, five of us, and uh, everybody gets on great. So all good. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know that's very important to you because uh, you're having the crack is probably the most important uh, thing that I I think I I've my observation of your character your personality is over the last two seasons that we've done this and probably since I've gotten to know you from playing and stuff was always having a laugh and first to have a joke and it's been a pleasure being your pal over the last couple of years you're an absolute legend um and I can't wait to, to see where this takes us what we'll do next um and where your career goes from here on so I fucking love you man I love you too, Barney. (laughs) It's all about you. (laughs) You A bullet in the head. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Look, uh, that is Andrew Trimble's life to date. But now, look, he's present. He's here and the world is his oyster. Go spread your wings, Trimby. Be the man we all know you can be and just be happy. All right. That's lovely. Uh the the bars <laughs> very, very high for
1: next week. <laughs> I'm gonna get started working on that straight away after we finish this.
0: No, you won't. We never do any work for this till like a few hours <laughs> beforehand. So uh be grand. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for putting yeah. in so much effort and thanks for for thanks to Chad for
1: coming yeah. on and taking us down memory lane.
0: Yeah. Thanks to Pat and to Paul and to and to Anthony for putting this show together and for uh for all your research on Trimby as well. So, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about me. Um, it should be weird. Bit of be yeah, feel a bit weird. All right, Trimby, it's been a, a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for sharing all that stuff with us. Nice one, Shalm. Thanks for having right, me. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know. All
0: right, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness Party On. Party On. It's all about... No, no, what was the other one? Bullet in the head. No, the uh, been to the year three thousand. <laughs> Not much is, is it? <laughs> well, because the year 2000,
1: sorry, already been. three thousand. Oh yeah, that's what I said. Three thousand. Oh, I said three as well. Not much has changed, Change but they but live they on live a on water. water.
0: And your and great, 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 great 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 granddaughter. granddaughter. It's pretty fine. It's pretty
2: fine. It's pretty fine.
1: <laughs> oh, that's pathetic. It's such a shame that you're a good singer and I've just like, ruined that for you. No, it makes it better.
0: You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.